Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, and thanks for joining us on another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guests are actually my colleagues here at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Uh, Michelle Rutter is the Government Relations Manager based in our Washington, D.C. office. And Aaron Smith is NCIA's Executive Director and Co-Founder. Welcome to the show, both of you guys. Thanks, Uh, Bethany. Good to talk to you. Great. So the reason we are gathered here on the podcast today is because it was an exciting week. Midterm elections went down on Tuesday, November 6th, and there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to unpack. So I thought our experts in-house would be the best people to share the information with our audience. Uh, So, Michelle, you were here with us in the Denver office to uh, celebrate, (laughs) or at least sit on the edges of our seats with us here in Denver with the rest of the staff. And now you're back in DC, so you've had a couple days to kind of let it sink in. Uh, Overall, how are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling pretty good. It was um, it was definitely funny going to Denver for an election watch party when I live in D.C. But that being said, um, always always good to get a few a, a few days away from all of the hecticness that can can sometimes uh, happen here. So I was happy to to be out there with you guys. But yeah, thinking about things now that we're a few days after the election, obviously uh, Democrats took the House back, uh, which is really really good news um, for our issue in general. I think that it bodes very well for us in the 116th Congress. Um, Having a more uh, liberal left-leaning chamber lends itself to to hopefully some reforms. And, you know, that means things like talking about the banking bill. That means things like talking about the tax bill. Um, But now that Democrats have the House, it even opens up the door um, for more progressive bills that are really more comprehensive and maybe don't necessarily tackle one small issue, but actually reform as a whole. So that's really exciting that that could be um, on the agenda coming up. It's also really exciting for the appropriations process, which I know I've been on this show and have talked about and written about on our our website before. Um, And having, again, a a more left-leaning house also lends to the fact that we may be able to uh, not only keep our appropriation amendments that are in law currently, but also be able to expand those uh, and get more done. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, you know, on the flip side, the Senate still, still stayed, excuse me, under Republican control. 
um, which, you know, pretty much leaves us in the same place as, as we were before. Obviously, they actually, I believe, uh, strengthened their majority just a little bit. But, um, you know, that doesn't mean that that reform is out of the question in the Senate. It just means that uh, whatever the ha- House obviously passes out is going to have a little bit, you know, of an uphill battle in the Senate. But I still think that it's possible that we can get things um, through and amendments through. So overall, it's it's really exciting. And I think here in D.C., we're happy midterms are over because now we can actually begin to, you know, know the lay of the land for the next couple of years uh, on the Hill and, and be able to sort of strategize around that. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. And uh, we'll definitely dive a lot deeper into all the details of what went down in the election in this show for sure. Um, Aaron, what, what was what's your impression after the election? How are you feeling? I, I, I'm feeling great. I think that uh, the 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 level of support that we're seeing at the uh, with the statewide ballot initiatives uh, is also something that will uh, not only, of course, create new markets in states like uh, Michigan, uh, which which approved an adult use measure that has a quite a free market that will make Michigan the second largest adult use market in the country, uh, but states like Missouri and Utah enacting. Uh, medical cannabis initiatives, uh, all of that also drives national reform as each of those states has a congressional delegation that now represents uh, a constituency that supports uh, medical or adult use cannabis. Uh, and, and Michigan's notable as, as now we have a state that actually went for Donald Trump in 2016 uh, among the club of adult use states. Yeah, and Aaron brings up a great point, and I'll just add, too, that it's really interesting. I thought um, you have Missouri, for instance, where they elected uh, a Republican senator, right? They um, they, they chose to elect uh, now Senator-elect Josh Hawley over sitting Senator Claire McCaskill, who was the Democrat. But the really interesting thing was that uh, the amendment that uh, passed medical cannabis in Missouri actually got 300,000 more votes than Josh Hawley did. So it really wow. just goes to show that you can have, you know, that was a medical cannabis initiative, but it really shows how popular this issue is across party lines, which we've seen over and over in polling, too. Totally. Cannabis is a blue and red uh, issue, for sure. Absolutely. So uh, before we uh, unpack more about what happened in midterms and what that means, let's kind of look back. Um, we're two years into uh, the Trump administrations and Let's think about some of the major items that we've come across in the last two years for cannabis reform, because it's been a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot has changed, right? So back, you know, two years ago, like you said, when when Donald Trump took office, uh, the Cole memo was still in place. I think that's probably one of the most notable changes, uh, one that's definitely affected everybody in this industry and and those who, who touch it. Yep. Um, and then you had, you know, the beginning of this year, uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions, you know, got rid of the Cole memo, or maybe I, I should now say former Attorney General Jeff Sessions, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to get to that. Um, but, you know, he he handed in his resignation just the day after midterms to the president. And so, um, you know, we've seen a lot of action in, in those two years. Not only was the Cole memo, um, you know, re- removed, but we also had a really, really difficult uphill battle in appropriations in 2016. Um, that sort of evened itself out this year. We were really happy that it was not as much of a battle, but it's been a lot of, you know, up and down and a lot of changes. And I think all of us are really happy to see that cannabis has really withheld those tests. And we've been able to, uh, to prove that, that this is a winning issue, that it's a popular issue, that it's the, the, and that we're, you know, behind on the right side of history. So those are a couple of the more notable things that I would mention. Gotcha. Aaron, what about you? When you look back at the last two years of 
all the cannabis reform up and down changes, what what stands out most to you? Uh, well, you know, we've had dozens and dozens of cannabis bills introduced this session, and you know, one one notable thing is that we've had many introduced leading up to the election, and it, it wasn't that long ago that uh, we would, you know, be lucky to have a, a a bill in the Senate at all, for example, and and now we have many many bills in the Senate, both sweeping reforms as well as incremental changes like like uh, the Safe Banking Act and 280E reform legislation, uh, but. But, but again, uh, this being such a, a politically popular issue this last year, for the first time, we saw congressional leadership on both sides of the aisle using the cannabis issue as a, as a way to, to drive support for their, for their party. We had uh, the Senate Minority Leader introduced a, a sweeping legislation that would legalize cannabis uh, coast to coast, Chuck Schumer. Uh, we saw the state's action introduced uh, and supported by uh, Senate Republican Finance Chair Cory Gardner uh, from Colorado uh, just days before that. And uh, this is you know, clearly a winning political issue, and I think that, that many members of Congress are starting to see that, and it's only going to, to you know, be more momentum going into the next session. Yeah, and speaking of momentum, I totally agree, Aaron. And not only did the States Act get introduced, right, but then we also had the president come out and say, I think it was the day after, yeah, I think that's something that I could support. That's something I could get behind. I think that is obviously a momentous um, change. We also have, you know, not only an unprecedented number of bills, but even the co-sponsorship numbers on those bills have just skyrocketed this session. I mean, the House banking bill has about 100 co-sponsors. I mean, that's a quarter of the entire House. The Senate banking bill has about 20, I believe, which is a fifth of the Senate. Um, and like Aaron said, you know, to have gone from a few years ago when when NCIA started, there had never been a cannabis bill introduced in the Senate. Um, that's that's a pretty big change right there. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, we, we have seen massive increases in congressional support for our issues, at least from my perspective. And I think our eighth annual lobby days earlier this year, which was an, a pretty great success, uh, was part of that was was part of pushing the the increase in co-sponsors for for um, policy like the safe banking act that you mentioned yeah. and and the states act so i I'm super excited of course um, that we're no longer uh, laughed at in the halls of mm-hmm. congress and we're t- we're definitely taken more seriously um, so there's there's a lot to uh, consider um, with the attorney general as well, considering, as you mentioned, Jeff Sessions has not been our friend, and now he has resigned. Um, I know there's some excitement because we, we we knew he wasn't friendly to our issues, but, but what does that really mean? What do you think, Michelle? Well, I mean, it means a lot. The Department of Justice is obviously our, our head law enforcement agency in the country, and so what that really means for, for the cannabis industry is that the Department of Justice uh, is in charge of making sure that um, you know states follow the law, and obviously we have um, a number of states now with both medical and adult use, or one or the other, um, who are flouting federal law, and um, you know, whoever is in charge at the, at the Department of Justice um, you know, can, at their discretion, decide to enforce federal law um, on on those businesses, whether they be, you know, um, you know, growers or processors or distributors, what have you. And so it's a real risk um, for people in the industry. I think on the flip side of that, we would also say that uh, any action like that would be incredibly unpopular. I mean, a Gallup poll just came out, I think, two weeks ago that said two in three Americans support adult use. Um, so you can you can imagine what the outcry, I think, would be. 
Mm-hmm. Um, should should the new attorney general um, decide to to uh, you know take enforcement action like that? Uh, and I think anything is possible, but I I'm feeling a little hopeful about this. Um, I at least on this issue, I don't really think that it can get much worse than Jeff Sessions. I mean, he was one of, if not the most notable cannabis opponents. Um, on Capitol Hill, and then he was mm-hmm. appointed AG, of course. And um, the thing about Jeff Sessions is that he not only disliked this issue, but it was very clear that there was not only no talking point or part of this issue where he could um, empathize or, or maybe understand, um, but also that that his mind wasn't going to be changed by by the facts, whether it's about opioid overdoses or whether it was about um, you know kids with epilepsy who need medical cannabis, or whether it was about uh, personal freedom and liberty and your right to to do with your body as you will. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of talk right now in D.C. all about who's going to be next, right? Who's the replacement? Uh, There's a couple names out there being floated. A lot of people, I know myself, have been wondering if, you know, someone like Chris Christie or Rudy Giuliani could be next, both of which Mm -hmm. are also pretty notable uh, opponents to the cannabis issue. But that being said, uh, I don't really think it's any worse than Jeff Sessions was on this issue. Uh, So, so I'm hopeful that we, that we have, um, you know, some room to move, to move forward here with the, with the DOJ. Mm-hmm, totally agree. Okay, let's take a quick commercial break and then we'll come back and unpack more of these midterm election results. Stay tuned to NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot proved by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. 
and we're chatting with my colleagues at NCIA, Michelle Rutter from our government relations team and Aaron Smith, our executive director. Um, so before we move on to the state reform campaigns, which, which had some great results, um, Aaron, was there anything you had in mind about looking back on Attorney General Jeff Sessions and maybe your hopes for the future from here for that role? Really couldn't get a lot worse than, than Attorney General Sessions in terms of somebody who doesn't support cannabis and said, you know, J Jeff Sessions famously said, no, uh, no good people use marijuana. Uh, right. But really, when you look at what, you know, what he did in his tenure, uh, the, he rescinded the Cole memo, but functionally on the ground in the states, nothing really changed uh, over how uh, how the DOJ was acting during the the Obama administration, and I'm I'm quite hopeful that at a very bare minimum that will continue to be the case under a new attorney general, even if it is somebody uh, like Chris Christie who who is a, who shares similar views as Mr. Sessions. Uh, but I'm also you know optimistic that uh, we will will see some movement, and this is an opportunity to bring in an attorney general who has uh, some more forward thinking. Uh, ideology around this issue, and it's certainly an opportunity for NCIA and and our team uh, to work with our allies in Congress or in the Senate, in the Senate Judiciary Committee specifically, to make sure that this is uh, one of the front and center issues as the uh, the new nominee is confirmed, uh, and continue to bring to shed light on this and and to point out that uh, not only do two thirds of Americans now support the full adult use legalization and, and regulating marijuana like alcohol, uh, but over 70% in, in most of the polling that we're seeing oppose any kind of government, federal government intervention in the states uh, where cannabis is legal. And I think that's what's, uh, what's protecting the industry and the successful state programs more than anything else is the fact that the industry is pre is presenting itself professionally and contributing to the economies in, in more than 30 states across the country at this point mm -hmm. and has driven such public support that uh, even the Department of Justice has to uh, take a you know a pause before uh, you know doing taking any action to undermine the those states yeah that's that's a little comforting <laughs> Um, so, I mean, and speaking of the states, um, Michigan was, as as you mentioned earlier in the show, a state that we were looking at closely because it would be the second largest market in the United States. So, obviously, it passed. Yay! We were very happy about that. Um, what are your thoughts about what that means uh, as the dominoes continu continue to fall for cannabis reform? Yeah, well, like you, like you said, Bethany, this is going to be a, a very large market for the cannabis industry. It's a really uh, great law, in my opinion, that uh, allows for uh, a expansive and, and free market, yet regulated uh, and controlled. Um, the you know from as a, from the perspective politically and nationally, uh, Michigan is a very very uh, strategically important state. Uh, this is now the first state in the Midwest to uh, have moved forward with cannabis legalization uh, where you know many many other states around the region like Ohio and Illinois uh, look toward Michigan and I think that uh, by you know cracking the the uh, ice a bit there in the Midwest we're going to be a lot more likely to see reforms in places like uh, Ohio perhaps on the, the 2020 ballot mm -hmm. uh, and then Pennsylvania Illinois and other states in, in the region uh, and it's also really uh, it's notable that you know in the we we have a, an administration that you know President Trump kind of openly de uh, detests some of the the states that didn't 
go for him in the 2016 <laughs> election, like like my home state of California, the first the first largest <laughs> marijuana market in the in the country or world. Uh, but now we have a state uh, that actually, by a majority uh, you know, majority of voters in 2016, voted for Trump, and this is uh, certainly a purple state, if not maybe a red state. Uh, that will get a lot of attention in the 2020 uh, presidential cycle. And this will have to continue to be a place as a front and center issue, at least the, the issue of states' rights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Michigan was is a game changer for the industry in the United States, for sure. So I'm, I'm excited to see that program roll out. Uh, and of course, we were also watching Missouri, Utah, and North Dakota. Uh, Missouri and Utah both passed their ballot initiatives. North Dakota did not get enough support for that to pass. So let's look at that a bit more. Michelle, what are your thoughts on those other three states there? Yeah, I I, uh, I guess I'll start with North Dakota just because that was the other adult use um, uh, ballot initiative that we saw. Uh, you know, I think we were all a little disappointed, and it's unfortunate that North Dakota didn't have the votes to pass this initiative this time around. Um, but that being said, it was remarkable in general that this uh, petition garnered enough uh, signatures to get on the ballot. North Dakota is a hard red state. There is no question about it. Mm. Um, you saw that, uh, you know, Heidi Heitkamp was the was the Democratic senator from the state. She lost to uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer. And so that, um, you know, it, it really is a red state. And um, I think that it does go to show, though, there's a little bit more work to be done there. But, you know, you have to remember, too, North Dakota only passed their medical cannabis initiative back in 2016. So mm -hmm. um, I think maybe a little too much too soon there, but I, I think there's room for growth. And then, you know, talking again about those medical cannabis initiatives in both Utah and Missouri, you want to talk again about hard red states and both of those fit the bill. Um, again, I already, you know, mentioned how Josh Hawley got, uh, you know, 300,000 less votes than the medical cannabis initiative in Missouri. And you also have to even take into consideration that Missouri had three competing measures on the ballot, right? This was one out of three. And not only did this one pass, uh, and, and the one that passed was Amendment 2, which was 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 the provision that NCIA and most other national groups uh, put their support behind, but those other two initiatives that um, were on the ballot as well actually failed. And so it really, um, it almost taught me a lesson. I was a little nervous about what splitting the, um, having those three different initiatives could mean? Would it mean that people voted for one that maybe wasn't as good as the other one? Or do they all pass? Then what happens? And sure. I thought it was really remarkable to see not only that one of them passed, but that it was the one that uh, that most groups, again, supported and that um, it was that was the most popular one. And so I think that it's, it's great news in Missouri and then Utah, again, and very interesting situation where you had both the proponents and the opponents of the measure, uh, Mormon church leaders um, and, yeah. and and other elected officials kind of all sit together and go, look, um, let's actually hold a special session for this um, and we'll pass it through the legislature. It still ended up being on the ballot. Uh, it was too late to take it off. Um, and it still passed, even though they had made a uh, agreement, both sides made an agreement not to campaign anymore for about a month leading up to the election. Right. Um, and and that still passed, and it passed uh, pretty pretty handily as well. Uh, Fifty three percent of the vote um, 
So it was really, really great. And we know that that's going to, um, they're still going to go to a special session and they're going to do that through the legislature. So a uh, really, really exciting time. Again, Utah State where Mitt Romney was just elected, right? Yep. He's saying Senator Orrin Hatch. Um, and so again, you see uh, a lot of Republicans being elected, uh, notable Republicans, you know, Senate candidates being elected in the same elections where we see cannabis initiatives passing. And so uh, both those things bode really well for the, both the House and the Senate. Right, right. Um, yet we have about a minute till commercial break, but I want to go ahead and start talking about some of the races, the key races that were happening in various states uh, where the winner of those races would certainly have an impact on cannabis policy, theoretically. Um, so let's start in a state like Arizona. Uh, Michelle, what what what's going on in Arizona with the Senate race there? Well, there's a lot going on with the Senate race in Arizona. Um, <laughs> we're, we are currently recording this. It's about noon on Friday the 9th here. Um, and right now, uh, as of last night, Kirsten Sinema, the uh, Democratic uh, candidate there who's currently a member of the House of Representatives for the state, um, just took the lead back from Martha McSally, who was the Republican on the ballot there. And this is the seat, if, you, if everyone wants remember that we are um, replacing Jeff Flake. And okay. so Kirsten Cinema just took the lead, which is really, really exciting because uh, not only would it mean if she wins that we flipped a, a, a Republican seat to a Democratic seat, which obviously, you know, in most cases bodes well for cannabis. Um, but Kirsten Cinema is is a great ally of ours, and it would be it would be a big game changer to have somebody like her uh, in the Senate and from somewhere like Arizona that is, you know, red. You know, I think I think it's red. I don't even know if I'd call it purple. A little purple, obviously if she can pull this out. But um, it would be remarkable to have someone like her support um, support us in the Senate. She has an A rating from us. She's voted with us on appropriations amendments. She's a co-sponsor of our banking bill. Um, I have met with her numerous times, and, and she is always uh, incredibly welcoming and very supportive of this industry, both medical and adult use. And so having a voice mm. like hers in the Senate could be a big game changer for the industry. I know I personally am watching this uh, race really, really closely and, and I'm you know hopeful for for her victory, but we will uh, we'll see what happens. Gotcha. They're still counting those ballots. Yep. All right. So uh, let's take our last commercial break here, and then we'll come back and and continue with with the midterm election post analysis with the NCIA team. Stay tuned. NCIA's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z dot com. Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and a approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. 
Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we've been chatting with Michelle Rutter from NCIA's Government Relations Team and Aaron Smith, NCIA's Executive Director and Co-Founder. And the midterm election just has so much to talk about. Uh, we're, we're just running right through all these topics to discuss and there's more to talk about with the key races that we were tracking along the way uh, what were some of those other races where, that we were looking really closely at well I would sure. say you know that uh, that w- one that, that I, I certainly know that we rejoiced when we saw uh, Pete Sessions go down in Texas who's the uh, currently the, the outgoing House Rules Committee chair who has blocked cannabis, any kind of cannabis reform vote from making its way to the House floor mm-hmm. for the entire 115th Congress. And being able to, uh, you know, use, to be able to see that as sort of a litmus test for, you know, whether or not uh, it's politically uh, in, in a candidate's favor to, to treat cannabis in such a way uh, was, I thought, you know, kind of a microcosm for the rest of the, the, the country. And he was, he was replaced or will be replaced by um, uh, Democrat uh, Colin Allred, who, you know, of course was elected for a, a lot of other reasons other than the, this issue, but uh, was a candidate who was outspoken in his support for the issue. And, and uh, we've never, you know, I, I don't think there was any race and I, you know, we haven't analyzed every, you know, all 535 uh, districts in the house, but I don't think there was any race where somebody campaigned on, you know, cracking down on, on cannabis anywhere <laughs> at one. And certainly, we're we're seeing uh, more that that actually the opposite, where we had candidates on both sides of the aisle that were you know supportive of of changing federal law because they know it's just a politically uh, smart way to be. Yeah, it's nice when yeah. they actually pay attention to the polls. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple other ones that we were really watching. Um, but, uh, there were two really big longtime uh, cannabis champions, Dana Rohrabacher out of California and Carlos, excuse me, Carlos Carbello, say that three times fast, um, from sure. Florida. And uh, while both of them ha- are huge proponents of the industry, I think Congressman Rohrabacher is definitely one of the, um, you know, household been, name. Yeah, yeah, household name here in cannabis has been supportive of this issue for decades now. Uh, his Both those races were two of the most, um, you know, highly watched, highly anticipated toss-up races in the country. And so we were sad to see that both of them lost. Um, but both of them lost to candidates who have both uh, filled out an NCIA survey and stated that they both also support um, adult use cannabis and and uh, states' decisions to to uh, make their own laws regarding this. And 
So those were two yeah. that we also watched. Um, and then another one I'll note is also out of Texas, um, John Culberson, who is a member of the House Appropriations Committee and notably was the chair of the Subcommittee on Commerce, Justice and Science. And I don't want to get too into the weeds here, but suffice it to say um, that uh, Congressman Culberson was sort of the gatekeeper when it comes to uh, allowing our marijuana amendments into appropriations bills or even allowing them to be heard or introduced. Uh And he is now gone. Um, So not only is he not in power of that that uh, subcommittee anymore or sitting on that committee, but, you know, he's gone in general. And so that's another one that was a a really big deal for for our industry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot there. Um, So we are about two minutes out from the end of the show. And and I know that there's so much to talk about still. uh, But what's really important is that 2019 is in front of us. And now, as you said earlier in the show, in the show, Michelle, now that we know the lay of the land, we can do something about it appropriately, strategically. We know who is in these seats. So as as we go forward into 2019 and then our ninth annual lobby days will will be uh, we decided the dates. Is it May this <laughs> May in twenty nineteen? Yeah. Yes. It's yes, it is be- it is May of 2019. I'm looking right now for our listeners. If you're interested, that's going to be May 21st through the 23rd, 2019 here in Washington, D.C. Yes. Come join hundreds of NCIA members and let's go meet some of these people that are uh, t- that have taken these seats and let's go back and talk to the ones that we still need to talk to. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. What, what else, what other thoughts uh, do you have about what we've just been through and, and what we're going to do next. Sure, I'd sum it up in uh, to one word myself, and it's optimist or two. I'll, I'll change my my uh, my rules here. Optimistic and excited. Um, things are really really ahead of us. There's a lot of really positive momentum, and it's really up to all of us, uh, uh, and especially us here in D.C., to sort of harness that momentum and push forward into the 116th Congress and to um, get these bills not only introduced but passed and through the legislative process, and I know I'm personally really, really excited about what's ahead. We're on it. Great. Aaron, what are your other thoughts and, and, and um, thoughts for the future? Well, I'm just uh, so proud of uh, this industry for proving what we've known all along, that regulation works, and that by demonstrating that in real, in real world terms, we have really moved the dial politically, <clears throat> excuse me, and that uh, through our members and their, you know, them joining together and, and creating the powerful uh, coalition that is NCIA working to educate lawmakers and be active in politics, we are uh, able to elect new members of Congress who are forward-thinking on the issue because of, of those members that gave to our PAC, for example, uh, 41, last I counted, 41 of the, the new or members of Congress that were that won the other night were supported by the NCIA PAC. Many of those were the, the Democratic challengers that replaced some uh, some old uh, backwards uh, reefer madness era type uh, members of Congress. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's only up, up from here. But again, you know, really we are proving what was, you know, always a kind of a theory just a few years ago that that this would work but in in every way through you know economically socially public safety wise uh so keep it up as an industry we need to keep it up keep being responsible keep investing in policy reform uh and demonstrating uh, a commitment to building you know what i think is is uh headed to be america's uh, greatest industry 
A hundred percent. I applaud the cannabis industry in this election. People got out to vote. People voted the right way. And we have our work cut out for us. So on that note, I think we'll wrap up this podcast and uh, get back to work. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. And thank you, Michelle and Aaron, for joining me today to unpack these midterm election results. Thank you. Thank you, Bethany. All right. Stay tuned. Uh, or sorry, don't stay tuned. <laughs> Tune in next time on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.